do excuse the sound quality at the beginning of this podcast and uh, particularly my sound uh, sometimes through the podcast bear with it i have cut it taken a lot of time to sort it out and it is understandable but uh, just excuses on um what seemed like a very nice recording when it was being done Staying Alive in Paragliding, a podcast series with your host, Steph Juncker from Cape Town, South Africa, the owner of Parapax Tandem Paragliding and a competition pilot of 23 years. Real podcasts for real pilots to learn from, to laugh at, and to enjoy the funny and crazy stories that go with it. All the way on the line, far away in the middle of the North Sea, we have uh, Samuel Alexanderson. But we know him as Sammy. He's been to Cape Town many times working as a tandem pilot. He's a wonderful guy. He's always got a smile on his face. He's completely unpretentious, so down to earth, so normal. And I think it's coming after having visited your island to see that that is actually the Icelandic way. Very normal people, your girlfriend Elsa and yourself showed when I actually came to visit Iceland last year. Hi, Sammy, super having you on the podcast. Nice to have you, nice to see you, man. Wow, <laughs> I would never have described Icelandic people as normal, but nice <laughs> people living in God knows where. <laughs> so normal. Yeah, they're not normal, and we're going to discuss that today, how unnormal the Icelanders are. That's part of the theme of our podcast, how crazy. Tell us something. I mean, so for us, it is, of course, mostly normal. When you've been somewhere else, then you see actually how crazy it is. Actually, this winter was my first winter back in Iceland in many years. As you know, I've been mostly in, in Cape Town, and before that, usually traveling, running away from Icelandic winter. But yeah, we had pretty much a constant storm, like a, a natural quarantine <laughs> over the worst months. It is ridiculous. The wind, wind speeds quite often way over 100 kilometers, 150 kilometers. Absolutely nuts. Six or 29 days of the winter, which were in the orange or the red zone. A few minutes ago, while we were chatting about, uh, you know, what we were going to talk about today, you were telling me that you've got extreme weather warnings in Iceland. You've got green, which is basically the weather is quite okay or not so okay. Well, like, it's, it's green. And yellow, orange, and red. Explain them to me. So, yellow, that is, like, don't go outside if you don't need to. It's bad weather. Shouldn't, you shouldn't really be traveling. Orange is... Come on, you shouldn't go anywhere. Stay at home. And then red warning is just be thankful that you have a house over your head. It shouldn't be there. <laughs> the wind is crazy. <laughs> so that's pretty much the, the categories. Yeah, I think this was some kind of, some kind of uh, record this winter. So like I said, like, for, like I was telling you earlier, like quarantined and stuff. It came naturally to us by weather. <laughs> so everybody was... You don't have too many problems with uh, corona right now. You're just going into your spring. Most northern place in the world that is actually inhabited um, uh, properly as a country. Iceland's capital, Reykjavik, has most of its population. The whole island has 330,000 people, give or take. 
and uh, your capital city, 200,000 of those people li uh, live on it. Now, when I visited last year, I had a great time to travel around. I took a rental car like most people do. And the extremely popular thing seems to buy to, to be to rent such a minivan, a little van like a small Ford or a little Citroen or whatever it is, with a closed back, which is dedicated a bed with some camping setup. And yeah. I saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. Tell us about that. So I think it's mostly, I mean, Iceland is quite expensive, but we also, but people also want to come and travel just like you did, just cruise around, even camp, stay in the car. I would recommend doing that. And I'm actually surprised that you don't see more of that, for example, in South Africa, like the camping. And I think that's the coolest way to travel around, especially in these open countries that we have. There's just so much space. You can find, always find a place to stay. So yeah, that's become quite the, the business here is these camper vans, all sizes and shapes and forms. A few years ago, uh, things changed. Um, the Icelandic country had a very similar thinking to a Norwegian one, which is um, uh, every man's right to the land. Everyone was allowed to stop and camp wherever they want to. About two or three years ago, you guys changed that and it became illegal to camp wildly. I camped wildly every day and I saw lots of people doing it. But now the status of this change should be not because of some farmers and happiness. Well, the difference is you have uh, common sense that you would, <laughs> but, but a lot of people were actually just basically camping in people's gardens. You would wake up and see someone take a shit on your lawn. So yeah, people were mistaking, <laughs> people are mistaking what it is to actually camp. And like I was saying, also a lot of people don't know how to behave in nature, like what to, how to dispose of, of your things, of your shit. <laughs> that is the consensus here. Like if you obviously know what you're doing, nobody's going to bother you. But if you don't have any common sense and go to some camp on some farmer's lawn, <laughs> yes, people are going to get pissed off. And yeah, they're trying to stop that. But it's still very open and flexible. People are not. It's basically common sense. That's all it, All there is. And the same thing goes with yeah. uh, with flying. When you look around, there's, there is no mountain that you cannot fly from, basically. The only thing you have to do is that if you are going to be hiking through a farmer's land or something, maybe ask permission. And when you're landing, maybe not don't land next to the cows or something. Try to be considerate. And we've never had any issues with anything, which is great. Yeah, it's great. You've got an adventure business there. You've had it for several years. You're developing it quite strongly. You have a business partner. Your business called True Adventure. You guys can look it up. Um, you have a zipline Iceland. You have a zipline adventure. You have a tandem paragliding business there that you are growing quite nicely. And you have a beautiful house on top of a hill. Uh, well, when I say a hill, probably three or four, five hundred meters up, overlooking the sea. Tell us more about your area. So uh, that's why I am originally from Reykjavik, but I started coming here to Vik because of, I mean, the scenery is just, it's crazy. And it's not many places in the world where it takes about, from the meeting of the clients, it takes about five minutes to get us to the top and to some really epic flying sites but at that saying that we are in iceland so it's you never know what kind of weather you're gonna get so we wanted to start something that was less weather dependent so that's why we came up with the zipline really good times with that as well it's such a 
yeah, it's just beautiful when you're hiking through like canyons and stuff. And also just the creative process around it. Like I think you would really love doing stuff like that. Can you imagine running off here? And- yeah, when I chatted to you a couple of days ago, you said I'm, I can't chat yet because I'm busy building a house yeah. and I'm in a, a thick face. Told me. We wanted to build the house because we were hoping actually that it looked like we would need some more stuff for the zip line and we were hoping to get maybe some pilots to come as well for paragliding. At the moment, it doesn't look like we need the house, but it's been the perfect time, like two months now, three months just working on that. We're almost done. We still have like finished the interiors and stuff. So fingers crossed about a month left, but now we're getting the flying season is starting. So it's hard to, it's hard to be, it's hard to keep building when it's flyable. <laughs> That's, that is always rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sammy, we all... <laughs> <laughs> in 2008, uh, you've, you've, you brought the flying uh, pretty much to Vic, uh, V-I-K is the name of, uh, of Sammy's uh, village where he lives, mm. um, in the south, about two hours drive from Reykjavik, and on the way, of course, there are all sorts of beautiful scenery. Now, Iceland is a gem for scenery. Their ring road, the quick loop, is 1,400 kilometers around the, the island, um, but you pass waterfalls, you pass cliffs, you pass puffins the birds that are flying around, all sorts of strange seabirds you've never seen before, all sorts of lunar landscape. Um, you have uh, one of you have the biggest river in the world when the volcano decides to spit out the ash and cause uh, a, a, a water torrent of magnetic proportions. Would you mind describing that to me like you did? So, yeah, I mean, just in the backyard here, we have basically one of the bigger volcanoes in Iceland and it sits under but that sits under the fourth biggest glacier in Iceland but when it goes off it has to like I told you melt through about six to eight hundred meters of ice and that which turns into the biggest river in the world we're talking more water than in the biggest rivers in the world combined that comes rushing down there and just takes out everything in its path so still to this day, I mean, usually this volcano goes off with 60 to 80 years intervals, but uh, now it hasn't gone off in 100 years, but the last off in 1918. This is the first time that the farmers in the path of the flood haven't tried to rebuild. <laughs> Previously, they always tried again, but after 1918, they're like, I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> but yeah, you could see this massive river it is bringing down big blocks of ice, sides of skyscrapers just floating down like it's nothing. And there are spots where you can actually see, you can see old pictures and stuff, and you can see the reference point with the mountains around. Just, it's crazy. Nature, my man. Yeah. Nature. <laughs> Nature, my man. If any of our human endeavors look like anything, after nature comes and sobers us. Nothing. Ah, but that, that's the beauty of it. I mean, even the wind makes you feel small here. I am a heavy man. I would say, yeah, I'm 100 kilos. I'm a fat bastard. There are days here in Iceland that I feel like I'm a leaf. You're oh, <laughs> <laughs> that you're a fat bastard, but uh, I've seen the kind of crossfit stuff you do. <laughs> quite great. <to> you. <laughs> Some of the glaciers that you have, glaciers cover 11% of the country. You have the biggest glacier in Europe. Would you describe that to me? So we have 
some of the bigger glacier, biggest glaciers in Europe. Uh, and then, of course, we have some of the biggest rivers, the strongest rivers in, in Europe as well, like around Detifos. So, yeah, I mean, it's something that we are used to, but, but the same thing, that massive glacier, for example, the biggest glacier in Iceland, that is also littered with volcanoes. So basically the whole south coast of Iceland is, it shouldn't really inhabit it in, in big parts because especially below the glacier, just one volcano goes off. As If that all melts or big parts of it, that means everything in, in its path is just gonna, gonna wipe out basically. And yeah, but I think for some reason, Icelanders were quite, were quite used to being Basically, nature is the only thing trying to kill us here in Iceland. We don't have snakes. We don't have... There's nothing trying to kill us except just the elements. Used to it. It's both... Yeah, it's just humbling in, in a way that you... Yeah, it's nice. It's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I see you staring out your window a moment ago as if you're doing a quick check on the weather yet again. It's how you live your lives there. And as I said last year, when I um, got a rental car, which obviously I usually rent the cheapest car possible, and then a yeah. smile and a wave, a nice fossilized shop too. And uh, obviously having to pay more if I have to upgrade the car, if it's worthwhile, they gave me a Ford Focus, which was just a standard hatchback, but I managed to put the passenger seat right forward, pack it so that I would have an extended bed. And 10 days of traveling around the island before I went to your paragliding nationals, which was organized by August, uh, which happened in June last year, an event that he planned, he told me in December that he was doing again this year, but obviously now with Corona, we have no idea what anything's going to be happening. You were speaking of Volviv, of flying a paraglider around the island. Iceland could be, I think, in many ways, like the perfect place for like beginners in Volviv and stuff, some people that want, because it's such a fascinating way to travel around. Can you know, you just have everything on you. It's amazing. Yeah, Iceland would be one of the perfect spots for that because you don't, I mean, we don't have many forests. You're not going to, there's not many places that you can actually get lost. This is a perfect place. If you fuck up Iceland, you shouldn't be doing Volviv or, <laughs> I think that would be like the, the message. But yeah, I think that would be, I would like to see more people fly here, especially because it hasn't really been tested out yet. I mean, We've done a few trips up on the highland. The potential for actually a really long flight, I think, is really real. Especially, I mean, you have all these black sands. So when that sun heats up, and sometimes you see these massive cloud streets, but usually, yeah, you have to be on it. I've always been too late. Yeah, or just not there. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun because it's also, it's never, it's not like you're taking some path that someone has done before. Nothing has been done. Now let's talk a little bit about your history and about your mythology. The very, very first people to arrive in Iceland was in the year in, uh, 974, which is just 1,100 years ago. Um, the two brothers arrived there from Norway. Basically, they had run out of land. And that might sound really strange, but they need lots of land to move. And Iceland was completely untouched. You have the oldest parliament in the world, some would uh, argue the oldest democracy in the world, and you really have things that are working quite properly in your country. Tell us about the history. So yeah, I mean, basically we're just descendants of outcasts or people who 
who came here. Uh, there had been, they think, even before that, some monks in that coming to Iceland. But yeah, there were two brothers came here. I guess they liked what they saw. Uh, they stayed mostly around stayed mostly around Reykjavik, which means basically translated directly to Smoky Bay. I mean, they could already see smoke just com- coming out of the ground, natural heating, which is quite nice in the in the cold. Yeah, and slowly it built up. Never really got a large population. Yeah, it was better than living in Norway <laughs> for them. <laughs> Is there a rivalry? Is there a kind of competition between Norway and Iceland? No, very. If there is, it's very friendly. But uh, of course, you want to stick it up to the whoever was your ruler before. There's more probably between Iceland and Denmark because we were actually under Danish law until 1944. So yeah, so they can suck it. One of the most famous uh, visited places in um, Iceland is just outside Reykjavik. Every single year. Uh, a parliament would come together and the Vikings would basically stand up. Everyone would be able to have their thing if they wanted to. They wouldn't have their heads chopped off unless they really said something wrong. Tell me more about that. So yeah, it's, it's the oldest parliament in the world. So they all came, all the tribes from all over Iceland would meet at least once a year. Of course, then the leaders of the tribe. But yeah, pretty much everybody had to say it's one of the older democracies i think in the world or at least that's what we what we claim it to be (laughs) if you mean if you look at the stories back then it's not like a very democratic vibes i mean it was (laughs) yeah viking viking style like revenge constant battles and very very nice very nice (laughs) part of your uh, country is uh, the eco you you meet several countries that are trying to be as green as possible. And it's mostly attributed to how much energy you have, basically, from nature. As I've understood, 99.6% of all of your electricity is produced from just 100, one 220 meter drop of a hydrothermal uh, plant. Um, all of your warm energy is coming from geothermal. So basically, the lava or the magma, which is close, uh, the ground. Um, so, for example, under, the, well, under most of the most important pavements in the capital Reykjavik, there is a, a, a heating system which keeps the pavement ice-free in the winter months. Tell me about that. So, yeah, that's a pretty much all electricity is almost free for most Icelanders. I mean, it's not expensive because of what you said. We have these massive dams where we can produce really cheap electricity and then we have so much hot water coming down so they have these massive pipes and tanks just pumping hot water but there are still a few few areas around Iceland like here in Vík where we don't have uh, geothermal heating so just use electricity which is fine but yeah it's quite quite nice I mean I would think I would actually hope that Iceland would go even further because electricity is cheap and it is green so it would be, I think it would be a cool advertisement for Iceland if we were the first country to be like only have electric cars or something like that. It's not like we have any fossil fuels here. I do have to say that I did, did feel a bit of remorse when I arrived on Iceland and saw a lot of big gas guzzlers. Um, the style of the big American truck is still there. Some absolutely ridiculous tires on some of them. If you want to Google some of the vehicles in Iceland, you'll be absolutely shocked. I didn't even know such tires existed. And they are called glacial tires. So what is the idea of driving a car on the glacier? It's basically the bigger the tires, 
the easier you can drive on snow. But most of these cars that you see around in Reykjavik, you don't need big tires. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. But it is, of course, the only way to go on the glaciers and on, on cars. And then you basically just float over everything. Just take the air out and yeah, you can. Yeah, there's not many, many things that can stop these cars uh, snow-wise. Yeah, earlier today you told me about uh, when a big storm comes through, there was one street with 25 cars, every single window in all those cars was completely yeah. destroyed. Completely gone. It's like I said, it's it's crazy. You know the wind is strong when you see rocks flying. I mean, yeah, if you, if you pick the right day here in Iceland, if you need some, to get something sandblasted, just pick a windy day, take it out in the desert, boom, sandblasted. <laughs> in the two weeks that I spent on Iceland, it was very mild weather most of it. Um, the summer months might have been slightly different. Of course, I expect, expect uh, experience some weather that you could have kite surfed in. But I never expect uh, experience such crazy storms in the summer months. So it actually seemed like I could pretty much get a flight in every day. Um, I only had my Enzo 3, so it was basically hike and fly up some small cliffs and taking off and having very, very nice flight. And then when I hooked up with the pilots at the Nationals, then of course it was a little bit more structured flying. So tell us more about being able to fly anywhere. Yeah, that's. I think you can... I mean, you could see also, it's so easy to find mountains. I mean, it's not like you have to look for a specific takeoff. It's obvious where you can fly. So yeah, if you're really dedicated and you can find in the summer months, you can fly usually about 20 to 25 days in a month. Of course, if you have a really bad summer, the numbers are different, but that's the average, at least since since I started, pretty much. It's around 20 days. And it, that, yeah. that includes everything. Uh, that means also flying between showers and, <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Iceland is fun for, fun for people that are slightly adventurous flying. It's not very structured. It's not like you have to go to a, a site and pay a fee to fly. Or It's more slightly adventurous. It's nice. I like that. Now, you told me a little earlier a story about some elves and trolls. Now, many Icelanders believe in elves and trolls. They really still believe it. And maybe it's got to do with all the strange rocks that you've got around. But you've had a particular story. Yeah, I mean, so it's commonly known that people believe in elves. But it's not often that you meet them. And if you meet them, they're old and senile. But this beautiful woman comes on a zipline with us and all of a sudden she tells me like, poof, I can see there's a, there's a lot of elves living right there. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I go, I show them a little cave that I usually show people. And I think she's looking at me and she's asking, can I go inside? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And she looks at me, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the elves. So yeah, <laughs> there is still people who believe in elves and there's known stories like especially around Reykjavik I mean when you've been in Iceland you've seen how much the roads wind and all of that so there are a few spots that we know that they instead of moving rocks they actually move the road because because of elves no shit so basically like this famous story is that there was this massive rock and every time they bring a bulldozer it breaks down just doesn't work so they bring another bulldozer and as soon as it's about to touch the rock it breaks down and this one lunatic who was working there is like it's the elves i'm telling you it's the elves so they actually end up putting the road around the rock 
No! Yes! <laughs> Victory to the elves! <laughs> Great. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about how different the Icelandic people are. Right? So you've got very different music, you've got very different kind of cinema, you've got a whole one in ten Icelanders will write a book in their lives. Okay, you laughed when I told you that earlier. You said you've got to ask yourself the quality of the book. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it used to be almost like as soon as you came of certain age, didn't matter if you'd done anything in your life, you would write your life story and get it published and people, (laughs) actually somebody would buy it. So a lot of it is absolute garbage. But, uh, But surprisingly often, I mean, people have, fun stories and surprisingly many of them are actually fascinating but let's be honest we don't need we don't need one out of ten to write their autobiography that's <laughs> a bit boring after a while Sammy I agree yeah. with you there yeah. and especially just any belief that their story is such a great one that they have to write it meanwhile yeah. they lived in where there has been absolutely no action their whole life but they feel 18 years old they have to write their life story yeah the winters are so long and that when the colors uh, yellow, orange, or red are appearing, you don't want to go out the house. So you have lots and lots of time indoors. <laughs> lots and lots of time to be creative. Bjork, Monsters, the Men, and two other bands that I had never heard of, but are obviously pretty famous. What are their names? Yeah, we have so many bands. But yeah, Gus Gus, uh, Kaleo is quite big. The music scene in Iceland is actually quite fun and, and interesting. I mean... And like you said, we are in Iceland locked up for months and months and creative people tend to work quite well in those kind of situations. We're getting more and more, it's getting popular for people to come in autumn because then we have like a big music festival called uh, Icelandic Airwaves. And that's when they try to both promote Icelandic music and also get like the upcoming artists in the world to it's like a platform for rather small or yeah, medium-sized bands. It's nice. I experienced that kind of feeling, that vibe, that electricity that was happening when I um, walked just the, the couple of days that I had to, to, to quickly have a look at Reykjavik. Uh, such a feeling of like excitement that people in the streets and outdoors are actually able to interact with one another because there's so much time indoors. That's very, very crazy. Yeah? <laughs> it is crazy. Uh, football is of famous. Uh, volleyball basically you guys play a lot with your balls oh we love our balls you gotta love it now at the moment i would say uh, football or soccer is our biggest sport qualified for both the world cup and the european cup i think we're the the smallest nation by far to to get there and also very many we have a lot of like solo athletes as well people yeah we, we have it is actually ridiculous how many many people are doing well in sports in iceland and we've seen basically a massive leap, especially with soccer, when we started with basically indoor arenas to practice in. Basically, you couldn't practice nine months of the year, only in the summer. But no, that's changed. Of course, as soon as any small country takes some success in something, then they have to build a big bloody football field of inside course. so that that team can go, go, go. <laughs> we get really easily excited. <laughs> You have the Northern Lights, which is an absolutely beautiful phenomenon. It comes from some kind of electricity in the sky. Describe it to me. It is absolutely amazing. It is, especially the first time, first time to 
you see it. And actually, no, it just doesn't. It doesn't get boring. It depends on also how much solar flares are coming and how it basically hits over the sky. Well, it is what you're going to see. And you can also look at some forecast before, but like with any forecast, you never really know what you're going to get. But on a really epic day, it will cover the whole sky. Different colors, pink, green, purple, and you just see it dancing around. I swear, like when I was in the north of Iceland and you're in the middle of nowhere, you could actually hear it. It sounds like small crystals hitting together. It is mental. We've had days where we actually fly in it, which is amazing here in Vik, especially when you have such a clear, clear sky. And it's rare, but once in a while we can also fly, like when we have full moon, it almost feels like daylight. But usually when there's a full moon, you don't really see the northern lights as well. But we've had days where, yeah, just you're flying around. You really have to try not to crash into your mates <laughs> because you're looking at the, at the northern lights from everywhere. Crazy. That sounds uh, that sounds like a reason I've got to come back and visit you guys in winter. I, I was <laughs> allergic to coming there in the <laughs> So the best time, in my opinion, to fly in the Northern Lights is usually uh, September, October. Then you already have the night, but you can also find windows to fly during the day. Like November, December, you have to be really lucky to find flying windows. It's, or January, you probably won't. But September, October. Very good tip. Now, I took a flight. Uh, there are plenty of low-cost airlines that are flying into Reykjavik uh, for, for federal plans and logistics. It was super, super easy to organize my trip. I made a quick stop in London and I visited museums for a week, which is always fantastic. All the museums in London are free. And then from London, it was a literally two or three-hour flight to arrive in Reykjavik. And from there, the, the car rental company brings the car right to the front door of the airport, picks you up, quick contract, and off you go, and you're free, and you travel. Um, really, really easy getting around. Uh, Low-cost supermarkets were also in your country, so you uh, can travel on the cheap in Iceland. That's important for people to know. Um, again, I was always skeptical that expensive countries meant expensive, expensive, but there's always cheap and expensive countries too. Yeah, I think you can always find a way to do it on the cheap. If you're going to stay at some fancy hotels, it's going to be really expensive. If you want to go out to eat every night and drink at bars, yes, you will come home with an empty empty wallet. If you, if you shop around a little bit, I mean, find the cheapest car. We also have to go, like the locals, we go eat and stuff. And yeah, you always can find some deals here and there. Apps called Two for One or Happy Hour and find spots like around Reykjavik that are offering half price. And now, of course, because of this virus, all the prices are just dropping down. So as uh, soon, as, soon as this thing clears, I think you're not going to find a better opportunity to, to visit Iceland on the cheap. As I said, these minivans that are uh, there, um, I didn't subscribe to one of them. As you say, Sammy, this might be a golden opportunity for anyone to look as soon as the lockdown is done out of Europe or from America or wherever, just quickly fly over to Iceland. Uh, I actually met a lot of Americans. Yeah, yeah. Americans are, are, I think, the biggest group of people that usually comes to us. Then it basically spreads over the rest. Germany, Britain, a little bit from China. Yeah, just everywhere. Iceland has been getting a little bit crowded. I mean, you can see there's plenty of tourists, but it's always in the same spots. People go, basically, if you see a big parking lot, then you'll see a lot of people. That's where the buses can stop, all of that. But 
anywhere else. Just stop on any side of the road and you'll see no one. And I think a lot of people are mistaking that for it being crowded. And these few waterfalls or these few massive tourist spots are far from being the nicest places to see. Like far from it. There are plenty more of the off the beaten path. I couldn't agree with you more. The massive waterfalls that are very impressive. I literally was stopping, parking right in the front of that parking lot, jumping out, jogging over past the tourists that were around, taking my picture, and off I'd go. Um, yeah. But stopping off the beaten path where there's nobody is equally beautiful, and you've got the place to yourself. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about one last thing, and that is uh, the most resilient mammal maybe on the planet is the form of pony that you have in Iceland. <laughs> you have a hell of a funny little pony. He's the only, he's one of the most purebred horses in the world because he uh, had very little exposure to crossbreeding. And he's the only uh, horse in the world that can run five gates. So he can do a walk, a trot, a canter, a gallop, and the five-stepper, whatever they call it. Tell us more yeah. about this pony. I mean, back in the day, that was the, the, the mo your most needed friend. That was the horse. That was what the horse was called. But at the same time, the horse would be the last one to get anything. Let's say a farmer had stocked up some grass and food for the animals. The cow would get the grade one, the good stuff, because that would get given milk. Grade two would go to the, the sheep. And then the horse would maybe get some leftovers. But most of the time, we would just leave the horse outside just to find, you would just be crawling in the snow, get trying to find find some grass. An absolutely amazing animal. And, and and it's more so when you get, because you hear more and more stories. And like, like I was telling you earlier, I mean, the south coast of Iceland, basically we shouldn't have been able to travel around it. With all the glacier rivers coming down, it's just on the sands. So everyone who was crossing these rivers, you would even either have to be an expert yourself in crossing river if it's safe to cross uh, or have a really good horse. And there are stories, endless stories, of just one horse saving everyone, like a row of people trying to go somewhere. And then you would have days where the rivers are just too big and you have to cross because you have no way to go back. You would have just one horse that would come and fetch people going back and forth absolute savages and they're tiny and they're tiny and yeah beasts they're like joe pesky and goodfellas non-stoppable tiny but fearless <laughs> <laughs> nice analogy there thanks Danny. nice one. Oh, great yeah very very cool so iceland brilliant brilliant place to travel brilliant place to fly i had excellent flying in in the, in the competition that you had there, your nationals, it was super, super cool. Really enjoyed it. Um, thank you very, very much for being on the podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to say, some positive message? Just let's keep on having fun. It's good. Anyone who wants to make contact with Sammy, he is the guy with the open arm. He enjoys a good man, and uh, he's happy to invite you all of that. <laughs> <laughs> see you soon. Hey, nice to see you, my man. Have a good one. Yeah.